If you're able to, to remain standing during the reading of the gospel this morning from John chapter 1, beginning with verse 29. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. Whoops, excuse me. uh, Verse 29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him. That is John the Baptist. And said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And he said to him, and they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. And they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. That is where we will end this reading today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hear your word and to receive it by faith. By the power of your spirit, Lord, may we apply its truths to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I was reading from the English Standard Version this morning because there's a a couple of key passages uh, in the way that it is translated that will be important in our message today. It's good to be back with you. It seems like it's been a long time, and and it has. Um, Thank you for your prayers while we were traveling uh, over the new year uh, after Christmas And uh, also uh, your prayers, uh, especially a week ago when I was not feeling well and uh, wasn't able to be with you. Uh, Thank you to to John and and Gary's leadership that uh, you guys function just wonderfully without me. And uh, and John just did a wonderful job uh, with a, couldn't have preached my own sermon better. And so thank you. I also want to thank you. Uh, Linda and I, for the very generous gift that was given to us 
uh, on Christmas. And some of you may not even know about that, but uh, it was a very generous gift. And I haven't had opportunity to, to say thank you for all of your love and support that we experience, not only at Christmas, but throughout the year. And so thank you. You're a wonderful con congregation to serve. <clears throat> Well, this morning, uh, we continue in a series during Epiphany on living as disciples of Jesus, living as disciples of Jesus. And this morning, as, as Gary was saying, Epiphany is, is well, one definition is, is making a sudden discovery. And this morning, we've dis uh, we have the discovery of the disciple as disciples uh, God opens our eyes so that we can see his truth. Our gospel lesson this morning ended with these words in verse 41. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Messiah. This is the discovery of the disciple. We love, as human beings, we love making discoveries. When we come across something new or rare or valuable, we get excited and we want to share it with other people. We want to share those discoveries. A significant scientific discovery or the unearthing of an ancient uh, archaeological find or the recovery of sunken treasure, all of those things make front page news because as human beings, we are geared toward discovery. I personally enjoy reading about new discoveries, whether they're especially scientific breakthroughs or an archaeological dig that sheds light on the ancient world and illuminates the Bible for us in a, in a clearer way, or even the uncovering of, of uh, uh, an ancient treasure trove. All of those pique my interest and, and uh, get me reading. But the most exciting discovery that we could ever make is the discovery of knowing Jesus Christ personally. That trumps every other find that we could uh, ever experience. Indeed, Jesus is the pearl of great price. That the uh, as Jesus told the par these parables in, in Matthew chapter 13 of the merchant seeking uh, pearls and, and finding the one that is valuable beyond everything else and selling everything that he would have to own it or, or discovering a treasure in a field and then selling everything you have in order to obtain that field and to, to have that treasure. Jesus is the most exciting discovery any person can ever make. And so the title of this sermon, The Discovery of the Disciple, is there because the disciples in our gospel lesson found something that they had been looking for, longing for, and seeking for all their lives. But in actuality, it, it was not the disciples who found the Messiah. It was God revealing the Messiah, the Christ, to them. Whenever we make this discovery, you know, sometimes there was a, back when I was in college, there was a, 
a national campaign that says, I found it. You know, I found Jesus, right? But indeed, you know, we make that discovery, but it's actually Jesus that finds us. God always takes the initiative to bring us to Jesus. The season of Epiphany, as has been said, is about Jesus being revealed to the world, beginning with the account of the Magi who came from a distant country following the light of the star in order to find Jesus, the light of the world. In our gospel lesson, Jesus was revealed first to John the Baptist and then to two disciples and then to Simon Peter. And God reveals himself to us even now through his word in the gospel. So let's discover for ourselves God's revelation of Jesus, the Messiah. First, as the Messiah is revealed to John the Baptist. And look at verse 29 and following. And the next day, he, John, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for the for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. <clears throat> and John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Well, John here confessed that he did not know who the Messiah actually was. John only knew because God had revealed it to him. In, in verse 33, and let me read that verse, uh, John said, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so John could not have known uh, about Jesus, except that God revealed it to him. John would not have known about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, except by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so John was speaking prophetically as he made that declaration. This is the Lamb, behold, the Lamb of God uh, who takes away the sin of the world. He was speaking for God. God was giving him the words to say, and they are the word of God for us. We also cannot know Jesus unless the spirit of truth bears witness to our heart through the gospel, through the word of God, that this is Jesus, the son of God, the savior of the world. John the Baptist concluded his testimony in verse 34, and I have seen and borne witness that this is the son of God. John's testimony, this brief testimony, this brief um, uh, proclamation uh, tells us much essential truth about Jesus. It tells us that Jesus indeed is the Son of God in a unique way. That Jesus, in fact, existed before time. He's, John says, he was before me even though he came after me. 
Jesus always existed as God and now has been revealed to us in time. And most importantly, John tells us that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We're told in the Gospel of of Luke that uh, John preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And so the forgiveness of sins was, was, was John's message, and John was a catalyst for people to repent and to confess their sins. And yet it was God, it is God alone who was the one to forgive sins. John knew that he wasn't, you know, it wasn't up to him to forgive sins. He was just there to help people repent and confess their sins so that God could forgive them. But now John proclaims that Jesus is the one who takes away the sin of the world because Jesus is that Lamb of God, that perfect sacrifice for our sin. John is revealing that Jesus, in fact, is the fulfillment of all the sacrificial worship of the Old Covenant in the Old Testament. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, we're told that the blood of the Old Covenant could not take away sin, but was instead a reminder of sin year by year. Jesus now is the perfect sacrifice who alone can take away sin. So the Old Testament sacrifices just were a reminder of sin, and they pointed to the perfect sacrifice of Jesus who alone could take away sin. John is announcing in, in, in this passage, he's announcing the greatest discovery the world would ever hear, the culmination of all the promises that God had made to his people, indeed the realization of all the hopes and dreams of all of humanity. Here it is. Behold, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. Well, second, we hear how the Messiah is revealed to two disciples. Look at verses 35 and following. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked uh, at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And uh, the two disciples in verse 37 heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, What are you seeking? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Well, again, it was through the word of God, spoken through John the Baptist, that Jesus was revealed to these two disciples. They had already been disciples or followers of the baptizer of John the Baptist, And now they began to follow Jesus. And they were to discover for themselves who Jesus truly was. And as they began to follow, Jesus turned to them and asked, What are you seeking? What are you seeking? And that's an extremely important question. Throughout the whole Bible, we find people who are seeking. We were meant to be seekers, to make discoveries. It's a a drive that's placed in us by our creator. 
It, it's part of our, our physical as well as our spiritual DNA. We are meant to be seekers. Uh, God said in Jeremiah 29.13, and, and Gary, if you were in the, the uh, uh, Bible class this morning, you heard this, uh, this verse, this promise. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We were meant to be seekers. To seek is to make a careful and persistent search or an inquiry. It, it, it can mean to try to acquire something or to gain something, to, to ask for, request, or attempt to discover. It's natural for human beings to seek new discoveries. But we must be careful about what we are seeking. The Bible tells us that we are either seeking one of two things. We are either seeking God or we are self-seeking. It tells us that in Romans chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, God will give eternal life. If we're truly seeking God, we're going to find him, we're told. But verse 8 says, but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there is wrath and anger. So we're either seeking God or we are self-seeking. One has a rich reward and the other brings disaster. Now these two uh, former disciples of John the Baptist didn't want to follow Jesus simply at a distance. You know, they weren't just kind of uh, shadowing him there. Uh, they, weren't, uh, they weren't there to, uh, to get a selfie of, of themselves and Jesus, right, to post on their social media, right? That, that wasn't what they were about. They, they weren't autograph hounds hoping to get a, his signature there. They wanted to enter into a personal fellowship with Jesus, they wanted fellowship and not just followship. They wanted intimacy with the Savior, not simply an interview with him. They were seeking to learn from Jesus to be his disciples. And we know that because they called him rabbi, right? Which means teacher. They had already been disciples, literally learners of John the Baptist, they knew what it was to be in that discipling relationship, right? With John, first with John the Baptist, and now with Jesus. And they sought to be his disciples, Jesus' disciples now. Typically, the relationship of a rabbi to his disciples was a 24-7 commitment. They would eat, sleep, and travel with the rabbi to learn not just his teachings, but to learn from his life and his example. And so these followers of Jesus asked, Rabbi, where are you staying? It implied that they wanted to enter into that kind of close personal relationship. And Jesus said to them, come and you will see. Come and you're going to discover something that you wouldn't, more than you ever would have imagined. It was a gospel invitation to these two would-be disciples, and it's God's invitation to us as well. Come, and you will see. 
these words express that Jesus invited them not just to know about him, but to experience that close personal uh, fellowship with him. Our epistle lesson today in 1 Corinthians 1.9 speaks of that call to fellowship. It says there that God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's called you into that same kind of close personal relationship. And so it says in verse 39, it goes on, so they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. Now, the Greek word for stayed, that's translated here, is a very important term in the Gospel of John and in the writings of John, the letter of John. Uh, while Matthew uses this word, this Greek word meno, uh, means stay or to abide, Matthew uses it uh, three times, Mark just twice, and Luke six times. And yet in the Gospel of John, it is used 40 times. And in the tiny letter of 1 John, it's used another 24 times. It's a very important word for John, the, uh, for the uh, writer of the Gospel of John and the letters of John. And uh, it's, it's often translated, that word uh, is translated to abide, and usually means to remain permanently. It involves continuation in a personal bond, a close and lasting fellowship. Okay? It has a personal connotation of abiding, remaining, but in a close personal relationship. That's what they were asking. Where are you abiding? And they abided with him. John tells us they stayed with him that day. And what an unforgettable experience that it was. It was the greatest discovery that these two disciples had ever made. One of them would remember the exact time that that took place. It was about the 10th hour. That is, it's about 4 o'clock that afternoon. And he recorded that in this gospel. The joy of this discovery could simply not be contained. And so what did they do? Well, it tells us in verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. Hey, this is the greatest discovery that we could ever have made. We found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. That's where our gospel lesson ends. He brought him to Jesus. The joy of discovery is not complete until it is shared. Like those first disciples, Jesus invites us also into that same intimate relationship with himself. And like those disciples, when we meet Jesus, we want others to meet him also. All through the gospels, and especially in the Gospel of John, people meet Jesus and their lives are completely, irreversibly changed. It has been estimated that 80,000 people around the world today meet Jesus every day. 80,000 new believers in Jesus every day. Many of those 
live in countries that are close to the gospel. Countries like, well, Iran, where, as you know from the news, uh, since September, demonstrations against the government have been ongoing. And uh, maybe you don't know that more than 500 people have been killed uh, in those demonstrations, and at least 63 of them being children. What doesn't make the news is that the Christian church in Iran is growing faster than any place on the planet. And I've heard that confirmed by others who have grew up in in Iran, many of whom, some I've talked to that have become Christians in Iran and then had to leave because of the severe persecution there. But people are eager to know the truth. Let me illustrate that with um, uh, telling the story of Marcy, um, uh, let me, I'll, I'll butcher her last name, Amarizadeh, uh, who risked her life uh, sharing the gospel secretly in Iran for many years. Her and a close friend gave away 20,000 Bibles and founded several secret house churches, that is, until their arrest in 2009. They were jailed in Iran's notorious Evan prison uh, for 259 days. And yet during their captivity, the Holy Spirit just shone through them and, and, and Jesus was revealed through them, both to the prison officials and to other um, inmates there in that prison uh, until they were miraculously released and able to uh, leave the country. Marcy is the author of books, uh, the books Captive in Iran and A Love Journey with God. Uh, as you watch the news, I think it's, people are aware that most of the people that are protesting abuses of the government there in Iran are young people, younger people. The fact is, is that 70% of Iran's 85 million people are under the age of 30, are under the age of 30. And they are hungry for the truth. Uh, Marcy recalled that when we were evangelizing in Iran, we didn't have even one bad experience. Everyone was so thirsty to find the truth. And I could see that God had prepared their hearts even before we talked to them. And, And that's true for us too. We need to believe that God has revealed his son to people even before we get to Uh, introduce them to Jesus. God is already at work and preparing hearts so that they would know Jesus. In Iran, people are desperately seeking the truth and coming to Jesus. Jesus asked those first disciples, what are you seeking? And I want to pose that question for all of us today. What are we seeking? What are you seeking in this new year? Are you seeking a closer, more intimate fellowship with Jesus? Remember that the Bible only gives us two choices. We're either seeking God or we're self-seeking. So what are we seeking? Jesus asks us that question. What are you seeking? And then Jesus calls all of us to come and see. Come and you will experience more than you ever expected 
Come and experience the love, peace, and joy that only Jesus can give. Come and abide in that close personal fellowship with Jesus as he promises. And then, of course, invite other people to meet Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. And remember that just as in Iran or for these first disciples, God is already at work revealing his son to them even before we introduce them. And so go with that knowledge. And finally, be ready. Get ready for the journey of a lifetime. Uh, Jesus promised to reveal himself to us in ways that we could not have expected. It's always going to be an exciting discovery when we journey with Jesus. Are you skeptical about that? Well, Jesus says, come, and you will see. Come, and you will see, and then get just ready. Get ready for the discovery of a lifetime. That's what Jesus promises. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for those who uh, you revealed yourself to in ancient times, and thank you for those you are revealing yourself to even now. And Lord, <clears throat> help us to make uh, that discovery as you reveal yourself to us through your word, and may we just do that daily. Open your word daily and, and discover you in a new and exciting way every single moment of our lives. And Lord, help us to share that with others. Help us to um, bring other people to meet Jesus. And Lord, may their lives be irreversibly changed by that discovery. And so, Lord God, open our hearts, open the hearts of others so that we can truly know you, that we can truly live in that close, personal relationship. And Lord, may we discover something new about you every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.